Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Guardians 8, the Detroit Tigers 4. I'm Davey Barris, a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And this is why we enjoy watching baseball being played. Don't tell me the numbers. Don't tell me the expected batting averages. Don't tell me the projections. What the Guardians do in the eighth inning of this baseball game is exactly why I like watching the games, because anything can happen. Magic can happen. A rally, a comeback, four strikeouts in one inning. Anything can happen in this game, and you got to be paying attention. You got to stay in it. You can't give up on it. The Guardians do not give up. This offense does not give up. Now, yeah. We should be bashing the Tigers. We should. We should be putting up eight runs on the Tigers like we did uh, against Jose Barrios up in Toronto, where we do it early and we take a big lead and we sail comfortably through the end of the game. But you know what? That's not always the way this game goes. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to come crawling back, even against one of the worst teams in your division, one of the worst teams in the league this year. They are professional baseball players across the diamond from you, and they're going to put up a fight, and you got to come ready to play every game. You can't give up on any game. So what am I talking about? Well, of course, you have to have seen this. If you're listening to this podcast, you have to have seen what happened last night. You have to have heard about it. The Guardians in the eighth inning, down 4-2, to two, come back with a six-run rally after... After three people had already struck out in the inning, Chafin, uh, Andrew Chafin for the uh, Tigers pitches zero, uh, pitches two thirds of an inning, but has three strikeouts. It's one of the most bizarre stat lines you'll ever see. So what happens? Let's get into it. Let's get into the details and the storylines because the top storyline is this eighth inning. What happens? Well, he strikes out the side, but it's a dropped third strike for Luke Maley. Now, for some reason, it's considered a wild pitch. Maley reaches on a wild pitch. I I don't know how. How you can call this a wild pitch when the catcher is set up for a slider down in the dirt. He throws a slider down in the dirt. He gets the guy to chase the slider down in the dirt. And it gets past the catcher and goes all the way to the backstop. I don't know how you can call that a uh, uh, you know a wild pitch, but that's the way it officially goes into the book. So it actually starts with Owen Miller. Uh, Miller, the right-handed hitter, and you're going to see this is going to come back around. He throws the right-hander a ton of sinkers. Chafin throws the sinker, the two-seamer, to the right-handed hitters. Eventually... Gets him to chase a slider in the dirt for strike three. It's actually in the dirt. Haas has to throw down a Cody Clemens at first base. That would come back around. Andres Jimenez, a lefty this time, gets a ton of four-seam fastballs. Eventually, he would try to pound him in with the sinker. That's eventually the pitch he would strike out on. A sinker that was up and in, I mean, off the plate. He didn't have to chase this thing. He could have taken ball four, but instead he chases up and in. The Guardians were really swinging at some bad pitches yesterday. 
all throughout this game. Look, I didn't chart every bad pitch the Guardians swung at. Just if you watch this game from beginning to end, you saw the Guardians chase a lot of stuff. Uh, in fact, I can. I can do this for you. Uh, I can look at all their swinging strikes. And um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, they chased a ton of stuff in the dirt for Daniel Norris. They chased his changeup. They chased a couple of fastballs away. To Cisnero, uh, Quan chased a slider uh, inside at his knees. That was a bad strikeout from Quan. You never see him chase like that. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez chased a fastball way up over his head against Will Vest. And Chafin's got two sliders chased down out of the zone. Even Lang's got a couple of curveballs and a fastball chased outside of the zone. So uh, of all the swinging strikes on the day, let's see how many swinging strikes. Uh, 10, 14, 14 swing strikes from Tigers pitchers. Only two of them were in the strike zone. So yeah, I would say that the Guardians uh, hitters definitely expanded the strike zone uh, on the day. Now that's not to say the Tigers, you know, we never really look at this, but the Tigers hitters did it too. Uh, their stuff was a little closer to the strike zone that they were chasing though. Uh, the Guardians hitters, some of them went way out of the strike zone to chase things. So that includes... That includes here in the eighth inning. So he gets uh, a strikeout of Von Miller. He gets the strikeout of Andres Jimenez. That brings up Luke Maley. Maley, the right-handed hitter, gets a bunch of two-seam sinkers, uh, works it into a 2-2 count, uh, fouled off the two that were in the strike zone, and then finally throws him that slider down in the dirt. And yeah, just gets by Haas and goes all the way to the backstop this time. And Maley, I mean, un doesn't even make a throw to first base. I mean, just legs out the uh, drop third strike. So you're thinking, all right, Chafin just struck out the side. All right, Maley got on, but still a 4-2 to two game. Like, Chafin's still in control of this thing. Straw comes up, a right-handed hitter. Terrible in clutch situations. Terrible in high-leverage situations. But he has seen his fellow right-handers just get a ton of two-seam sinkers. So what does Chafin do? Of course, a right-handed hitter is going to start him off with a bunch of two-seam sinkers. For uh, Owen Miller and for uh, Luke Maley, he doesn't go to the slider until he's got the count in his favor. So he misses with the first one up and away, throws him another one up and away, but this time on the strike zone on the outer edge of the plate, and he shoots it back up the middle, 98.3 miles per hour, for a single. Okay, runners on first and second. Brings up Stephen Kwan. Now, Kwan had had a ton of opportunities in this game. In the second inning, he grounded out with the bases loaded to end the inning. A sharp ground ball to first base. That's after they had come home and uh, cut down a runner at the plate, got a force out at the plate. Kwan has a chance to put us on the board early in that second inning, uh, but grounds out to end the threat. Then he comes up in the sixth inning. He would single in an at-bat in between here, but he'd come up in the sixth inning with runners on first and third. This time, a pass ball actually brings in a run. A run does score in this at-bat, but it's not a pass ball. Uh, just hits off Haas's glove, and Jimenez comes in to score. Uh, but he's got a, um, got a runner on second and a chance to drive him in, and he strikes out in that at-bat. That was the bad slider that he chased uh, down and in at his feet. Um, so finally in the eighth inning, he comes up with more men on base. They really need a hit from him. And somehow Quan delivers. 
uh, he chases what would have been ball four. It's a 3-1 count. He's got the count in his favor. For some reason, instead of a four-seam fastball, he throws the lefty a two-seam sinker up and in under the hands. And for some reason, he swings at this. Quano has a very good eye. Uh, bloops it down the right field line. It's only hit at 76.9 miles per hour. It's got an expected batting average of 0.90, but it drops. It drops down the right field line and then hops into the stands where they jut out for a ground rule double. And actually, Francona even said this in the post game. Uh, they were they were mad that it made it up into the stands. A ground rule double is not what you want in that situation because Straw probably comes in to score. If this ball stays in the field of play, uh, the only person who's happy about this ball bouncing up into the stands is the poor ball boy who was trying desperately to get out of the way. Uh, this ball was like literally chasing him. It was hit right at him, right where he sits. Uh, that poor guy was kind of stuck out there. Uh, it's awkward anytime you see the, the ball boys actually end up in the field of play because they're trying to get out of the way. Um but it bounces up into the stands. It's a ground rule double. One run comes in. It makes it a one-run game, four to three. All right. Well, at least Quan was able to deliver, right? He gets the run home here. Runners on second and third. Ahmed Rosario, they go to the bullpen. They think, okay, Chafin, I, clearly we have pushed this too far. You got your three strikeouts. You should have been out of this inning. Uh, they are just taking wild hacks at you. Uh, let's get you out of the game. They bring in Alex Lang. A lot of curveballs from Alex Lang, including Ahmed Rosario. Uh, but he's down in the count two and one. He had just missed in the dirt. He decides to come with something hard. Ahmed Rosario chops it into the ground. A minus 55 degree launch angle. An exit velocity of 65.2 miles per hour. It only has a 280 expected batting average because it should be a ground out to third base. Willie Castro doesn't do anything wrong. He comes charging in, is able to field it cleanly, get off a throw. It's just chopped so slowly that Ahmed Rosario legs it out. I mean, not even close, not even a bang-bang play. He has flown past the bag by the time the throw shows up. So, Straw comes in to score, Quan goes to third, and Rosario has himself an improbable two-out RBI single. And that would bring up Jose Ramirez, the RBI specialist. Again, a ton of curveballs from Lang. Another hit that makes no sense. Throws him a curveball that he misses away with. Throws him a changeup that he misses down and away with. Comes back with another curveball on the plate at the knees. And somehow he goes down and gets this curveball. It's only an exit velocity of 69.6. It has a 50 degree launch angle. Somehow he goes down and takes a curveball down right at the knees and hits it with an expected batting average of 140, a bloop into left field, and it falls in front of Akil Badu. And not only that, but Badu kind of sits back on it and it takes, because of the crazy spin on the ball, to launch a ball at this angle, uh, it shoots over his shoulder, over his glove, and bounces to his right. And uh, allows not only Steven Kwan to score, it allows Ahmed Rosario to score all the way from first base. So it's a two RBI double for Jose Ramirez. Uh, it's unbelievable. He just keeps racking up those RBIs. Uh, I believe they said he leads the league in doubles. 
Yes, Jose Ramirez leads the American League in doubles with 37. He trails Major League Baseball. He trails Freddie Freeman in the National League with 39 doubles. Uh, the next closest would be J.D. Martinez in the American League with 34 doubles. So we have the AL leader in doubles. And remember, we have the Major League Baseball leader in Ahmed Rosario when it comes to triples. So uh, pretty good stuff right there from your Guardians hitters. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so Jose Ramirez drops this double in. Now, not only have we come back in this game, not only did we tie it up, now we take a two-run lead, and we're not done yet. More curveballs to Oscar Gonzalez. This one, after being down in the count one and two, he throws him one in the dirt, then comes back with one on the strike zone. Man, Lang, these curveballs, they just keep hitting these curveballs. This one, again, kind of down at the knees. It's a little higher than Jose Ramirez's. Probably why he gets his one 93.9 miles per hour, 349 feet off the wall in left field. Again, an expected batting average of .080, but this one's off the wall. This one in Cleveland plays with the big wall out there in left field. Uh, we've got to talk about Oscar Gonzalez, the cameraman, camera person, you should say, for Oscar Gonzalez, because this is the second time where they've zoomed in like it's going to be a home run, right? When They don't do that necessarily when it's going to be a double off the wall. Uh, I think both times the camera person has thought, this thing's a home run. I mean, look at it. They, they got it up in the air, 33-degree launch angle. This thing is a beauty. This is a home Nope, hits off the top of the wall. So we got to talk with whoever the camera person is when Oscar Gonzalez is up because that's twice they fooled me into thinking he had a home run. Uh, but he doubles off the wall. Jose Ramirez comes in to score again. That's twice in the game that Oscar Gonzalez delivers an RBI double with Jose Ramirez coming around to score. And they're not done yet after an intentional walk to Josh Naylor. Uh, Owen Miller would go out of the strike zone. Guess what pitch he hit? Guess what pitch? It's a curveball. He hit a curveball. It was the only curveball he sees of this at bat. Lang finally is like, all right, I got to get off this curveball. Throws a bunch of two-seamers. Throws a changeup in the dirt. Eventually, on the fifth pitch of the at-bat, on a 2-2 count, throws him a curveball that he does not have to swing at. It's down and in and off the plate, and instead he ropes it into left center field for an RBI single, 90.1 miles per hour. Uh, that one had a 950 expected batting average. That was a nice single into left center field, and it brings in Oscar Gonzalez to score. And then Andres Jimenez, who had struck out earlier in this app, in this inning, strikes out to end things finally. Guess what pitch he got him on? A curveball down below the knees. He finally gets one down below the strike zone and gets Andres Jimenez to strike out. So Lang with a ridiculous amount of curveballs. Actually, let's go to the player breakdown page here. Uh, yeah, he threw 60% of his pitches were curveballs, 12 curveballs on 20 pitches. Uh, and it was not effective. They hit it three times. Uh, they put it in play three times. Uh, so, yeah, and all RBI hits. So, Lang, uh, yeah, uh, living and dying by that curveball, I guess. And the Tigers' bullpen absolutely implodes after the drop third strike. The Guardians put six on the board. I believe, you know, everybody, MLB was tweeting out. Sarah Langs, if you follow her on Twitter, has great stats. She was tweeting out. I believe this has never been done before. No team had ever struck out three times and then rallied for six runs in the same inning. So, yeah, the Guardians making a little history on this night. Uh, and then Klasse comes in and shuts the door in the ninth inning. Uh, 
easy for Classe. Gets two strikeouts in that frame on 10 pitches. Really, really dominant stuff. What was working for Class A? It's always nice to see these nice, fun CSW numbers for these uh, relievers. Uh, so, yeah, 50% whiff rate. Got two swings on the cutter, one on the slider, and then two called strikes on the cutter. Uh, so, yeah, the cutter, he uh, that that hard cutter, 99-mile-per-hour cutter, that was working for him on the day. So, yeah, uh, man, I, we don't usually end up at the end of the game like this and have to go all the way back and talk about earlier in the game. But, man, the storyline of this game really was that eighth inning. Now, what set this all up? The Guardians' offense had chances throughout the game. Like I said, I told you the Quan situations. They loaded the bases in the second inning. They had opportunities. They do get a run in the third inning. Jose Ramirez would get on by a hit-by-pitch. That's actually, they hit, they hit Guardians hitters in the first three innings. They hit Ahmed Rosario in the first. They hit Owen Miller in the second. Now they hit Jose Ramirez in the third, and they finally pay for it uh, with Oscar Gonzalez uh, smoking a double. Uh, into right field at 107.9 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, so yeah, so a hit by pitch finally comes back. That's how the Guardians get their first run across. And then, like I said, in that sixth inning, they get one across on that pass ball. Andres Jimenez comes in to score after leading off for the double. But uh, the Guardians were down in this game 4-2. And Quantrill was all right, but he would probably admit he did not have his best game. He goes six innings pitch, gives up only five hits, but four runs because of two walks, two only two strikeouts, does give up a solo home run. On 99 pitches, he's hard hit 10 times. And yeah, they were kind of hitting him. Either they were hitting him hard or he was losing the strike zone. If we go over to the illustrator, he really lost that sinker for a couple at-bats. Franconi even said he was losing it to the arm side, ends up walking two guys in the... Um, in the fourth inning, and this is a situation where the Guardians had just scored in the bottom of the third. We talk about how important it is to put up a zero after that. Instead, he lets two runs come in to score, two walks in this inning, and they both come around to score uh, in this fourth inning. Leadoff walks. So leadoff walks to Riley Green and Victor Reyes. Baez would single. Uh, They would force out. uh, Castro would hit one. They would force out a runner at the plate. Kerry Carpenter would hit a sack fly. That brings in the first run. And then Eric Haas with a single brings in the second run to score. So, yeah, uh, you know, it looked like maybe they'd get out of it. Uh, They had it set up for a double play to get him out of the inning. But unfortunately, Kerry Carpenter continues his good series. And with a sack fly, is able to bring in the run to score. So those walks, both walks, come in to score in that fourth inning. Uh, So, yeah, uh, they would put together some hits. In the fifth inning, Akil Badu, using his speed with two outs, is able to score from second on a Victor Reyes single. And then the solo home run from Willie Castro to lead off the sixth inning. So, yeah, the, the Tigers looked like they were in control of this game. Quantrill, it just it was not a great game. Not great CSW numbers on anything here. Um, none of his pitches were super effective on the day. He did... Uh, get eight called strikes on that sinker, but it's only a 21% CSW. It's only an 18% CSW total on the day for Cal Quantrill. Just not a really good day of throwing strikes. And when they finally did get that two-seamer, that sinker, in the strike zone, that's what they were hitting. Uh, Let's take a look here at all the hits that the Tigers had on the day. 
and you'll see most of them against Quantrill. In fact, everything except for the Victor Reyes uh, single comes on the cutter. Uh, everything else is the two-seam sinker, uh, and most of them are down. They're below the belt. Uh, usually when a guy's getting hit, it's because his pitches are up. This is because he finally put a two-seam sinker in the strike zone, and it was getting hit down at the thighs, down at the knees. Um, even the home run he gives up on this day is from a pitch down at the knees. Um, it would be a two-seam sinker down at the knees to Willie Castro on a 2-0 count that he's able to pull into right field for that home run. So, yeah, uh, it's weird. Usually when a guy's getting hit, it's because he's finding himself up in the strike zone. This is just Cal Quantrill finding himself in the strike zone. One of the few two-seam sinkers he actually throws in the strike zone. And uh, he was getting hit pretty good off that pitch. So, yeah, not a great day for Cal Quantrill. But he survives. He keeps him in the game. Gives him six innings. And uh, the bullpen's able to come in and do some good work after him. Especially, uh, well, I mean, obviously once the Guardians take the lead, it's Classe to run things to the end of the game in that ninth inning. But Karachek comes in and almost gives him two innings. I don't know why Francona really seems stuck on uh, trying to stretch relievers over two innings. He tried it with Shaw right the other day. Um, he tries it here with Karinchek, and he said uh, Karinchek just seemed like he was losing a little bit on the fastball. That's why he brings Shaw in. Uh, Shaw on one pitch gets out of the eighth inning, and then he collects the win on the day because they rally in the bottom of the eighth. So it took Shaw one pitch to rack up another win on this season. Uh, but Karinchek did have four strikeouts before that. So Karinchek was fighting. He was battling. I was really surprised to see him out there uh, for a second inning. But yeah, I don't know why Francona, especially with an off day tomorrow, is like determined to see how far he can push some of these relievers. Got him up to 32 pitches from Karinchek. I don't know if I need to see Karinchek at that many pitches. So yeah, it is an improbable win by your Guardians. It's an insane win by your Guardians. It's They split the series, so they still have not lost a series since the All-Star break. They hold on to the lead in the American League Central Division. Uh, the, the Twins had won, the White Sox had lost, so now it's a two-game lead over the White Sox, a one-game lead still over the Twins. Now the Twins are playing Kansas City. I even turned that game on for a second in the middle of the day. Kansas City was not putting up a fight at all in this series. I mean, we'll see what happens when we face Kansas City at the end of the season here, but I think we're going to be really glad. Ooh, I hope I don't eat these words. I think we're going to be really glad to face Kansas City uh, six times to end this season because they look like, I mean, so many of their stars are gone now, and uh, it just, they feel like a shell of a Major League Baseball team right now, Kansas City does. So the Twins were able to sweep them. Uh, make a little progress in the American League Central, get themselves back into position to be battling with the Guardians here. This is going to go all the way down to the final week of the season. I mean, this this battle for the American League Central is not going anywhere. All right, MVP on the day. I think I got to go with Oscar Gonzalez on this one for the two big RBI doubles he really had. He had two of the three hardest hit balls on the day. Uh, he's the only one with two hard hit balls in the Guardians lineup. I know he technically wasn't the, the go-ahead hit or anything like that, but I did think that Gonzalez in that fourth spot 
Uh, and it was a weird lineup construction, right? He goes with Gonzalez instead of Naylor in the four spot. It pushes Andres Jimenez all the way down to seventh. Andres Jimenez should not be hitting seventh in this lineup. But, you know, going lefty-righty or going righty-lefty, righty-lefty, that's where he ends up. Um, yeah, uh, Gonzalez hasn't been spectacular in that fourth spot. He's hit better in the fifth and sixth spot. But uh, when you pit, throw him a pitch down, uh, middle down, he will hammer it. And that's where he gets that double at the end of the game. It's a curveball middle down. He's slugging 600 from that spot. Now, he has an expected slugging of 382, but he is tr- the true slugging numbers are 600 from pitches middle down. Uh, he's got a 400 batting average on pitches middle down. So it is a spot where he can definitely do some damage. He's got, I believe, he's got four doubles here on uh, StatCast this morning. I don't know if this is updated from yesterday. Usually they update. Usually StatCast updates pretty fast, except for these zones. It usually feels like when we look at these zones, a guy will hit his first home run from that spot, and it'll still show a zero on the board. So I don't know if he's at four or five doubles from this zone, but definitely a spot middle down where he has been hitting a bunch of doubles. So, yeah, it's good stuff from Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, It's really nice to see him be such an impactful part of this lineup. I mean, since coming back from injury, he has really, really been good. For the month of August, in 60 at-bats now, he's hitting 350 with a 517 slugging. That's an 867 OPS. Seven doubles and a home run. Really, really doing a good job of hammering the ball in August. So I, I wish I could see. Um, you know, he's not popping up in the percentile rankings because he just does not have enough at bats to qualify for most of these categories. But uh, I can tell you, max exit velocity, he's in the 91st percentile. So he is one of the hard hitters in the league. Uh, I'm guessing if he qualified, uh, his average exit velocity would probably be up there. Uh, in the red numbers on uh, StatCast. So, Gonzalez doing a really good job. Delivers two big RBI doubles in this one. And for that, I'm giving him MVP on the day. Really, I mean, the eighth inning is MVP on the day. It's an, inc- I mean, it's an incredible, incredible game. It's definitely a comeback. It's not exactly the comeback against Seattle, right? The 12-run comeback. But uh, the one that goes into extra innings... But this is definitely, uh, at the end of the season, this is probably a comeback. When we talk about the magic of progressive field, this is one we're going to be talking about. Because I, I don't think anybody, I, clearly it's never been done in baseball history. I, I mean, the win probability line, ready for this? The win probability line, when Andres Jimenez strikes out, the win probability is 91% in favor of the Detroit Tigers. When Maley reaches on the dropped third strike, it's an 89% win probability for the Tigers. And then this line just plummets to the point where Jose Ramirez's bloop double takes it to a 94% win probability for the Guardians, a 97% after Oscar Gonzalez's double. After Owen Miller's single, we're at a 99% win probability for the Guardians. So we go from a 91% win probability for the Tigers all the way to a 99% win probability for the Guardians in half an inning without making an out. With two outs, we go from 91 
to 99 in our favor. That is just, I mean, it does not get more incredible than that. So that's all my thoughts on this one. I, I can't believe we pulled this out, that we end up splitting the series with the Tigers. It shouldn't have been this hard. It should not have been this much work against the Tigers. But I will say that the Tigers have played us tough this season, right? The rivalry between Cleveland and Detroit will always be strong. And the Tigers have played us tough this entire season. They've got some ball players over there and they put up a fight. Their bullpen just could not do it on the day. Uh, the magic at Progressive Field was too strong. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Guardians 8. The Tigers 4. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.